What inspires a person from humble beginnings to go into medicine? Why would one choose a cook position over an intelligence offer for the Army National Guard? What's it like to get all the way through nursing school, earning an LPN, then decide to pursue an MD? And how do mock interviews help prepare you for interviews for med school? Today on Talking Missions in Med Student Life, I interview Michael, a first-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions in Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions in Med Student Life. Have an incoming student, Michael. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Dr. Chan? I am. I am so excited you're here. We have so much to talk about. Um, so how's it feel? You're going to start med school next week? Yep, next week. So what kind of emotions are you feeling? You know, I'm feeling really excited. A little, you know, you kind of get those butterflies. and But I'm just excited to jump in and get Dude, doing what I love. Yeah, it's been like, been working for it for so long and it's about to happen. So, all right, so let's go, let's go jump in our time machine. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Cedar City, Utah. Okay, you grew up in Cedar and... What, how old were you when you started thinking about medical school? And what was going on in your life? Uh, for me, it was a little less conventional than usual. So I I grew up with a humble means. My dad was a meat cutter at Smith's. And um, yeah, a lot of my childhood, we were living in trailer parks. And we had a couple bankruptcies and stuff. And so I kind of got here on a, a winding road, but I'm... Super glad I ended up here. So after high school, I joined the military to to pay for college. I knew my parents wouldn't be able to help me pay for it. And that's interesting. So, so what what, what high school did you go to? I went to Canyon View High School. Canyon so. View. Did they? Because I know they have recruiters. Or did you like just look them up on the internet? Or how how did you get interested in the military? Did you do you come from a family military? Or oh no. No, no. Well, my grandpa was actually in the National Guard. But yeah, one of my buddies actually joined the military. Um, and he told the recruiters I might be interested, and I was like, oh, yeah. Like, they asked if I'd meet with him, and I was like, you know, yeah, I'll meet with him. I'll, I'll at least give him, give him a chance. And mm-hmm. they told me all the educational opportunities, because they, they do have an outstanding program for helping uh, students pay for school. And I was like, you know, this actually sounds pretty good. I didn't think I'd ever be joining the military, but mm-hmm. this actually sounds like a really good route. And so what branch? Uh, I joined the National Guard, okay. so Army National Guard. Okay, so. and and then what was, like, what was, I mean, when you signed up, did you pick an area, or did you, like, take a bunch of tests, and they kind of told you, oh, you're going to do X, Y, Z? I mean, how did that work? So, one of the first things they have you do is they have you take the ASVAB. Mm-hmm. So, it's, I mean, this might not be the best comparison, but it's sort of like the MCAT for the military. Mm-hmm. Um so it has like your math, reading, all those kind of sections, and then they give you a score, and based on that score, they're like, okay, here's what you can do based on your score. I scored pretty well, but um, they didn't actually have a whole lot of options, and they were like, well, we don't have a whole lot of openings right now, but your score is amazing. Would you like to do military intelligence or special forces? And I was like, what? <laughs> that sounds... Incredible. Sounds, intim- sounds intimidating. Yeah. But intimidating is like, how long does the training take for those? And they're like, oh, it's about two years. And I was like, yeah, I kind of want to get into college, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you have anything shorter? And they're like, well, I mean, we have a cook. But I was like, yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. And so. Interesting. Yeah, I went to basic training and then I went to cook school and I learned how to be a cook in the Army. So, mm-hmm. 
what does that mean to be a cook in the army? Is it like a lot of like I have this image of supply supply chain analysis and then the mess hall and and then like a lot of different like ingredients and you had to oh, do like yeah. large meals, large portions. I mean, what, what does that mean to be an army cook? Yeah. So there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts, just like you said, and it depends on if you're active duty or national guard. For so. For National Guard, that means, you know, a weekend a month, you show up and they give you the meal schedule and they're like, okay, here, here's what we're cooking. Here's some, some funding from supply and you just go to Walmart and you're like, okay, what do we need for this meal? Mm. So it's pretty different. Active duty, they'd be, okay, um, let's send the requisition to supply for what we need. Here's the recipe card, and we still have the recipe cards, but they have stock for almost everything, whereas we're just running to the grocery store, and we're like, okay, let's get the stuffing and the turkey and and just go to town. So, and then, and this is up at Camp Williams? Uh, this was in St. George. Oh, St. George. The 213th Forward Support okay. Company. All right, so, so you just drive down to St. George? Exactly. One time a month? Exactly. Okay. And then... Um, and I know there's this image in the movies that when a soldier disobeys or gets in trouble, they make them go peel potatoes. Did that actually happen, or is that just a myth? No, that really does happen. So those guys are called uh, KPs. Okay. And so, yeah, if somebody shows up late to drill or if they, you know, their uniform doesn't look right, they'll be like, oh, you're going to go be on KP duty. And stands for kitchen police, I think. and Kitchen patrol or something. Yeah, like that. basically what that means, they're washing the dishes. Okay. Which is really nice. Like, we really appreciate the help. Mm-hmm. They'd be... So you kind of like that. You kind of, like, secretly wish someone shows up late or has oh, a yeah. poor uniform. Because that means more help for you. Exactly. Yeah. And they usually give us a few people anyway. So it, it's really convenient for them. Because they're like, well... Uh, Private Duffy over here was late, so, well, we have to send a KP. He's the one that gets to go kind of thing. Okay. So. All right. And uh, we appreciate, we always appreciated that just because we only have so many, so many cooks. We don't have the manpower to do all the dishes and still cook the meal, so. Well, so while you're in the National Guard, did you ever get, I don't know what the word is exactly, called up or go overseas or? Deployment? Deployment, yes. No. Okay. Which is kind of funny. When I first joined, my recruiter was like, you know, we're constantly at war right now. I'm not going to make you any promises. I'm going to tell you that if you join, you're almost certainly going to deploy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the kind of funny thing is by the time I did my six years, I didn't renew my contracts. I was planning on coming to medical school somewhere, and I didn't end up deploying anywhere, so I guess he was wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, like how's that? Was it just you or, like, your entire... I don't know, battalion or a unit or like, I mean, and and then what, like, do you even follow the news? I mean, did you follow the news and kind of like, oh my gosh, or I mean, how, what, what's the mindset of that? Like, how do you approach that? Uh, it's, it's kind of looked at as a badge of honor. Okay. And so, yeah, your whole unit would go and yeah, you kind of, a lot of people don't really see themselves as a soldier unless they've been on a deployment or two. And, mm-hmm. and so... Honestly, part of me kind of does wish I would have gone out just so I could say, because I don't really view myself as a veteran unless I've actually seen combat or mm-hmm. actually been deployed, deployed. Yeah. but yeah. Um, I mean, I did still serve. And yeah, I'm honestly kind of glad I didn't just because like some people over there, they see stuff like some of the, the toughest guys I ever know in the guard could hear thunder and 
they'll be crying under the table from PTSD. And I'm like, wow, like Mm -hmm. I can't even imagine what that would be like. And so they come out of it with, with scars. And so part of me is glad that I didn't go. Part of me does wish that I did. So it sounds like you were in like, and you were in the national guard for how long? Six years, six years. So like, to have that kind of loom as a, always a possibility. Oh, yeah. Like the anticipation. And I was always always thinking about that, like if stuff explodes with Iran or Syria, you know, North whatever's Korea. going on, North yeah. Korea. So, yeah, that was always on the table. And, and then and, while you were in the National Guard, is that when you started thinking? You mentioned medical school. Is that when you started pivoting? or? Yeah, I started pivoting. So I did always kind of like sciences when I was young, mm-hmm. but I never really saw making a career out of it but then once I got out of basic training I started going to school on top of doing the National Guard stuff once a month uh, and yeah I was kind of like at that time I was like oh I like lifting weights I'm going to do exercise science nutrition and I was kind of figured oh I'll figure out how to make a career out of this but then eventually that track led me to take anatomy and chemistry and then I was like wow this this stuff is really cool. I really like this stuff. And I kind of started seeing that as a possibility. Like, I can use... I can learn about this stuff and make a career out of it. Mm-hmm. And so I started pivoting towards medicine right around then. So, And so, SUU. Right? SUU. Why did you pick SUU? I picked SUU because it was close to home. Mm-hmm. I had my family there, and I figured I could live with them for the first couple years and save money and mm-hmm. and yeah you know it it just seemed like the best option i didn't really think of like applying to some big other school i was like i'll, I'll just stay here with what i know and okay. right. so you go into class and then once a month you're going down to st george um what other activities were you doing to help you prepare for medical school what were some of your um different experiences um, I did a lot of stuff. One of the things I did, I volunteered at uh, Best Friends Animal Sanctuary in Kanab. Oh, what's that? Talk about that, yeah. So they have a, basically a, a large parcel of land out there, and their whole mission is to, to rescue animals. And so they'll go to neighborhoods where they've heard there's a stray cat and try to capture it and bring it back where they can nourish it and hopefully get somebody there that's looking for an animal that they can give to a good home. And so they, that was kind of a cool experience because I come from a livestock background and I was like, oh, you know, those people over there, they're kind of kind of fanatics about their animal stuff. And I was like kind of two different sides of the same thing. But I, I really ended up respecting that a lot. I was like, these people really aren't that crazy. They just mm-hmm. really passionate about animals and so that was one of the things I did. It was kind of a cool experience. Were you ever tempted to bring any of them home, or no? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> no, I. My parents already had a couple cats, okay. and I was like, you never tempted. Like, oh, this is such a nice animal dog. Yeah. I mean, there were a few. Like when we were out walking the dogs, there was a. I think it was a pit bull, and I was like, I always thought those were kind of scary dogs, but we were out taking it on a walk, and I was like, they actually kind of liked the dog and. Mm-hmm people I was volunteering with were like, that dog really suits you. Maybe you should adopt it. And it was like, oh, I can't have another pet. Like, yeah. Yeah. Plus, like, uh, pit bulls kind of have a, a fighting, aggressive reputation. Maybe not this dog specifically. And that's actually one thing they 
that's part of their mission over there is fighting the, they call it breed discrimination. Breed discrimination? So I yeah. just discriminate against a breed just now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they talk about that and they actually gave us a whole presentation on like the statistics and they're like, you're more, no more likely to get attacked by a pit bull than you are another breed of dog. And, mm-hmm. and they talked about how a lot of cities are trying or governments on local, maybe even state level are trying to make laws that basically discriminate against certain breeds. And they're, they're basically said there's no statistical evidence to support these kind of laws. And so that was kind of cool. Like I never thought that their mission would be that broad Mm -hmm. and encompassing and that they'd be fighting for things like that. Who would have thought that the golden retrievers, they just have a more powerful lobby and marketing team and everyone just loves golden retrievers or labradoodles. Well, yeah. I mean, golden retrievers, they're just happy and good with kids. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it'd, it'd be really easy to see that that... Or Lassie. I can't... Like, the, the, those are shepherd... What kind of dogs are those? The Lassie dogs? Oh, I couldn't tell you for okay. sure. Okay. I feel, like, so old right now. You're probably looking at me like, what's Lassie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. All right. So, um, you're working uh, down in Kanab, volunteering. Anything else that you did that you felt that was really uh, helpful to prepare you for the application process? So, one... One thing that I also did, I I actually went to nursing school and got my LPN. Oh, let's talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> what, what was going on there? Yeah. So, this is kind of the part of the pivot where I I got to taking my pre med classes, and I got to the point after biochemistry, I was about ready to apply, but I didn't feel ready. I was like, you know, like, is this really what I want to do? This is so expensive. This is going to be such a long path. But I love the sciences and I want a career where I can help people. Maybe there's a shorter route that'll still get me the same results. And so I I applied for SU's nursing program and got got in the next semester and mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. I learned a lot about patient care, but then I realized that some of the other parts of my background, like the biochemistry, genetics, psychology stuff that I take that I had taken, I wasn't using it as much as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. They were focusing a lot on the patient care, but I wanted the whole big picture, like bring the science background that I have in. It's like, you know, I really do think I want to do medicine. That I can use all of these skills that I've picked up over the years and the leadership experience that I eventually got in the National Guard to, to really help to the fullest of my capacity. So I was glad that I did it. I gained a lot of experience in the patient care side of things, got mm. to take care of some cool people. So, yeah. Um, so, how long did you do that for? So, I did that for a year and got my LPN. Okay. And then you were working, if I recall correctly, you were out doing LPN type activities, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, I worked at a veterans home actually in Ivan's mm-hmm. uh, called Southern Utah Veterans Home. That's cool. You know, yeah. kind of like, you know, tying into the National Guard with like that, that kind of was a really cool narrative. Yeah. Exactly. And so, yeah. it was really cool working over there. Like, I got to work with some really cool. Like Vietnam vets, like war heroes, these people have all kinds of really cool stories, and so it was a privilege to be able to serve them and kind of hear what their experience was like. I did a lot of them didn't always talk about their experiences in war, but there was a few people I got to take care of that did. Mm-hmm. And so during this time, you're still thinking about school, and then did you start applying? Like that would be like your last year. Or did you take some time off after graduation? Um, so, yeah, it was between... So it was a little inc- unconventional because I was 
halfway through the nursing program because it's an RN uh, BSN program there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, you know, how how am I going to get to med school? What's going to be the most efficient way to get here from where I'm at? Because it was after my second semester where I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to apply for med school. When is the best time? Should I do it this summer, which would be the summer between my uh, basically the summer before my final year of nursing school? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, well, I could apply this summer and continue nursing school, but I still have to finish physics and a few other prereqs. It is now going to be the best time for that? If I am I going to be able to stay in nursing school and realistically get through the application process? Or am I going to apply the summer after I graduate as a nurse? So, yeah, I I played out all these different scenarios and was like, which of these is going to be the best? And I even, like, calculated how much money I could work, uh, make working as an LPN in the meantime. And, like, Mm -hmm. so, yeah, pretty much I was like, well, if I finish nursing school, I'd only work as an RN for three months before starting medical school if I apply this summer. And it was Mm -hmm. like... I think I'm going to have to switch my major. Yeah. Did, did so, anyone in nursing school object to you switch? Oh, or, you know, you're wanting to become a doctor? Or? They were actually really supportive. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, because I, I had told some of them that I was like, you know, switch from med school, but now I'm kind of thinking I want to go back uh, and go that route. And they were like, well, you know, yeah, you do kind of seem like that's a better fit for you because you really like the sciences and we're mostly focused on patient care. And mm-hmm. they were actually really supportive and they were like, yeah, you know, if that's what you want, we'll be supportive. We'll help you get there. And Awesome. Yeah. One of my nursing professors actually wrote one of my letters. So I remember that. <laughs> All right. So Michael, what was your strategy in applying to schools? Like how many did you apply to MD, NDO? I mean, what, how'd you kind of decide, how'd you map it out? What was your plan? Um, well, the first step was, okay, when am I going to take the MCAT? So I still had two weeks left in nursing school. I was like, so don't do it like this. I applied in a hurry. Um, I had to think, okay, what's the soonest MCAT date I can study where I'll still be prepared to take the test, but I won't be so late in the application process that I'm not going to have a chance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was... I eventually settled on taking it uh, June 2nd. That gave me six weeks to study for the MCAT, and it had been a year and a half out of my pre-med courses. Did you do, it on, thing. Like, did you do it on your own, or did you do test prep, or, or how did you study? So this is another thing where I say probably don't do what I did. So <laughs> I Your story is a cautionary tale. Yeah, exactly. So I was lucky enough to apply and receive the fee assistance program. Mm-hmm. And so I got all of their practice tests and MCAT uh, preparation material from the AAMC for free, included with my fee assistance program. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I just did a a practice test right off the bat before I even started studying to see where I was at, which I recommend doing that because then you can see where you're weak. Yeah. It generates a score, right? You can exactly. score and see where you fall. Exactly. Yeah. It generates a score, and then I saw, like, oh, wow, my chemical, physical foundation section is pretty low. Like, I really need to spend a lot of time here. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's what I did. I started reviewing my gen chem, biochem, all that 
stuff where I felt like I was really weak. It was a lot of the chemistry stuff that I really needed to review. And then I took another practice test after three weeks of studying. And I was like, wow, I'm doing a lot better. What else do I need to focus on? I kind of tailored it from there. So I was self-study. I didn't do a practice course. I was reading my biochem book and my notes and all that stuff. Cool. So it's, yeah, if you're... So the reason I was able to do that and succeed is because I I tried really... uh, I was a really good student in those courses when I first took them. And I'd recommend that for anybody because if you take the time to really learn the information while you're in the classes, you don't have to spend very much time reviewing. Mm-hmm. So so you took June 2nd. Yep. And then how, four weeks to get your score back? Four weeks to get my score back. Okay. And I, and so did, this did, you is, start, did you start applying then, or did you want to get your score back to make a decision about where to apply? I mean, how did you, exactly. talk, me, talk so, me through that. Yeah. So I took my MCAT and then immediately started writing my primary. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in the meantime, <laughs> I had pretty low expectations. I was like, you know, I haven't, people study for this test for years. I had six weeks. How well can I realistically expect to do? So my, my goal was like 60th percentile. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I might be able to squeak into a DO school. Like, mm-hmm. but then I got my score back and I was like, well, yeah, it was really good. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I did pretty good. And yeah. so I was like, I have a shot. And so I only ended up applying MD. Mm-hmm. Um, I applied to 11 schools and yeah, I, I took about a month to write up all my stuff after I took my MCAT and ended up applying mid-July, which is a little behind the curve. Like, I'd recommend to anybody to stay ahead and submit as soon as you can. Yeah, because those secondaries come in pretty quick. And exactly. you know, the sooner you apply, put your little stronger odds. Yeah, exactly. Because that was interview spots. Because yeah. that was stressful. Like, I got all my secondaries, like, within the same week. And I was like, oh, man, they say two-week turnaround on these things. And I'm... Mm-hmm. I'll, I guess I'll just knock out the highest priority first. and So, yeah, stay ahead on that. Uh, start writing your secondaries as soon as you can. And, but, yeah, I ended up applying to 11 – or I applied to 15 schools, finished 11 secondaries because mm-hmm. those secondaries do just come all at the same time. Yeah. And, you're like, and some of those schools, you get their secondary back, and you're like, yeah, this is kind of weird. I don't know if I actually want to go to this school. Yeah. So. Uh, and of the 11 you filled out, how many interview offers did you get? Um, so I got four interview offers. That's good. That's good. Yeah. You can kind of see, like, you know, like, if you sent out 11 and you only got one back, not as strong as if you got four interview offers. Because then, like, you know, everything's about the odds. And, exactly. Like, the more interviews you exactly. get, the more, like, you're, you are to get in somewhere. Yeah. And there was three other places where I was waitlisted for interviews. And mm-hmm. I was like, I always was like, man, like, if I would have just applied a little sooner i think those wait lists would have turned into interviews and mm-hmm. you're right it's all about odds it's all about how many slots they have and how many good applicants they've already picked from the pool and yeah so and then did suu did you use any of the pre-med advising like oh, mock, yeah. mock tutoring was it was that helpful so or they had mock a, interviewing excuse me yeah yeah i used the mock interview at their speech and presentation center and mm-hmm. so they do a traditional interview over uh traditional practice interview over there and that was pretty helpful. They go through some of the basic questions and you kind of get used to just talking to somebody about your life and your experiences. And Kind of like right now. Exactly. <laughs> kind of like right now. Right. I've had a ton of practice. <laughs> All right. So you go out and start interviewing. And, and uh, when did you interview with us? Was that so November, December? It was December. Okay. 
I interviewed with you guys and and I actually have and I'd recommend doing this for anybody who's applying to a school with MMI which probably anybody is applying yeah to more and more schools school. are moving especially in the western u.s have exactly. really moved to mmi model so but there's really good practice mmi stuff you can just find on google like mm-hmm. they'll have uh, eight stations or however many stations that you can practice and so i just met up with one of my good friends and was like hey man i helped you write this so now you owe me you're going to help me with my interviews mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, um, I had him be the interviewer. Like, I'd pretend to knock on the door, and he'd tell me to come in. And Interesting, yeah. Same same thing, you know, like I'd lift up the card on the door, and it would have the prompt. And mm-hmm. so we set up realistic practice, and when I came here, it, it was smooth. Mm-hmm. Just So you felt good? Felt very good. A little young. nervous. Everyone's a little nervous. It's normal, but you felt well-prepared. Yeah. Felt well-prepared, mm-hmm. exactly. And... And then F, and then when did you start? Did you get any other offers aside from the U? Um, so I was waitlisted at Penn State and Wayne State. Okay. So, so like, so you got into the U, and then case closed, or you kind of like, oh, you know, I've lived in Utah for all my life. Maybe I want to go somewhere else, kind of thing. I mean, like, what was your kind of decision making process? I was like, well, you know, I really want to stay in Utah. And you guys have an excellent program. I was really excited to be accepted here. I was pretty much decided to come here, but I still waited a little bit. I was like, maybe I'll just see if I get accepted there for my own pride. I know I'm going to tell them no, but like... Because <laughs> then they get... Well, you think into the finances, right? So, oh, yeah. I think it would have been... I, I don't... I'm not really up to date on, like... Penn State's tuition, per se, but I think it would have been cheaper to stay here. As you oh, yeah. 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 yeah, their tuition... I mean... You can't beat your guys' tuition here. Theirs was fifty thousand a year, and then Wayne State's was sixty thousand. And okay. then you look at living expenses and moving costs, and I would have to get a plane ticket to fly over to visit my family. And yeah. So I figured, you know, oh, well, I was planning on coming here anyway, but it just sold it all the more for me. So awesome. Um, and first doctor in the family yeah okay. first doctor so, in the family so how was your family think about all this because you kind of had this really interesting cool journey to get to this point oh so. yeah no they're super excited for me and my mom was just praying for me to get into the u she was <laughs> she was like i really hope you get into the u so we'll be able to visit you i don't just can't stand to see you go somewhere else where we won't be able to see you for four years kind of thing and mm-hmm. so they're they're really excited for me and we do have other healthcare people, like we have a dentist, we have a handful of nurses, PA, but okay. But I'll be the first doctor, so that's kind of exciting. <laughs> well, one of the things we were talking about, Michael, before I turned on the pod, is like, tell me about like, your desire, your dream to return to Cedar and practice. I, I think you alluded to that, but like, is that is that is that something that you want to do one day? Yeah, like, I believe so. I. If not Cedar City, then somewhere in southern Utah that just needs some doctors. Like, mm-hmm. I I see down there, like, I think the kidney specialist we have there only comes down, like, a couple days a week. We're, I think there's only six psychiatrists in southern Utah. So there really is a need for mm-hmm. physicians, and I really would be able to provide uh some important services for the people down there. And I think you talked about that in your application a fair amount. Correct. Like, yeah. you want to go back and serve, provide care to the people of Southern Utah. Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. And it sounds like you felt that way a long time. Yeah. 
All right. Well, uh, Michael, um, last question. Like to anyone who's listening out there, what advice would you give them? You know, someone that's thinking about applying to med school and, and is not sure they can do it or don't think they're they're up to the task. What would you say to them? What what, what advice would you give them? Uh, I would tell them, don't ever count yourself out. You just you just got to believe in yourself and and work hard, even if you don't. If it's something that you're interested in, just go for it and give it all you got. That's kind of what I did. I didn't really see myself getting here, <laughs> but I'm I'm super happy to be here. Yeah. So, well, Michael, you're going to be an outstanding doctor, and congratulations. And we'll have you come back on because I want to hear more about your journey as you continue to grow during medical school and just kind of see where you're at and, where, and what direction, what field you end up choosing. So, well, thank you for coming on. Well, thank you, Doctor Chan. Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.